From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rithia Twitz, and on today's show, I talk with an artist about her thought process when developing a new piece, what it's like to move cross-country without any of your stuff, and we both share experiences battling the supercritical voices in our heads. Safira Lightstone is a talented artist I've been able to get to know through her art. She has a distinct style and unique voice with pieces that always have a point. This is a girl who does much more than make pretty pictures, and while she may have fallen into art, she's using the space to share her unique perspective. As a kid, I was shy and very creative. Um, I took a lot of art classes, and I always just loved doodling, and my favorite animal was art were dogs, so I would used to draw a lot of cartoons of dogs slash human creatures combined together, <laughs> or it'd be like a dog head on a human body, and they'd be in fashion and walking around. I took a lot of different classes my mom enrolled me in, and I was just a very, I view myself, you know, how, how everyone's view of themselves might be different than how they actually were, but I, I think I was a pretty content child and just went with the flow and kind of at peace with everything. That is so great. It doesn't surprise me at all that you were super creative <laughs> and always drawing because you yeah. are an artist now. Yes, exactly. It's, it, and it surprises me. That it surprises it you. Out that way. Yeah. Why is it surprising to you? Yeah, it does. Well... I didn't always have, even though I love to draw and I love to be creative, it wasn't ever in my mind that this is what I want to be. And I grew up, my mom is an artist, and my father works in the creative industry, and I witnessed a lot of the freelancing and the ups and downs that come with it. And as I got older, I decided, okay, I just want to make a lot of money. <laughs> I just want to be in something that, you know, like a doctor, a lawyer, something that is stable and secure. And I feel you, girl. When yeah, exactly. So when I started to look, when I when the creativity found me, it's really how I like to put it, because I wasn't chasing after it. When it came to me several years ago, I was like, wow, this is, yeah, it, it kind of just aligned. Okay, so what were you doing? When you say the creativity found you, were you like mm -hmm. in college and just started drawing stuff and people started buying it? Like, how did that come together? Were you in, were you, so, did you go to school to like become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that? I never went to school. Yes. I didn't go to college. Yes. I, I went to seminary yes. uh, for two years and I did a semester online, but I was fully supporting myself, um, working full time and paying my own rent and everything. And I just couldn't, I couldn't juggle at all. I was all alone living in New York and I just was like, forget this. I'm just going to make money and work, and then I'll figure the rest out later. Um, by that time, I got married, and I, was, I became a mom, and I was doing data entry work, and we have this crazy story. We were supposed to move to Israel, and we moved to Seattle instead. Those and are not the same place. <laughs> we, 
not the same place. I know everyone goes, you moved backwards. Like you moved in the other direction. Yeah, that's, that's. We had come here. That's the other way. <laughs> it's the other way. We came here temporarily. It was supposed to be like a, like a three month stay where my husband got a quick job that made a lot of money. And then we were just going to pack up and move. And that didn't end up happening. We ended up staying. He got into his own career thing. And that was like, okay, we're going to be here for like another year or two. We'll see how it goes. Um, so was that later. how, yeah, I was going to say how long ago? That was five years ago? <laughs> five years ago. Okay. that Five years is not the longest amount of time. I mean, it's not, not one year, time. but it is. Right. Yeah. I want to go back to not going to school. I, okay. Full disclosure. I went to school. Um and okay. I hated, I, I, like after high school, I, I went to college and all that, and I hated every single second of it. So excuse me if I project a tiny bit onto you a little bit. Um, okay. But I think that like what, get, to me, not going to school, the reason why I hated college is because um, I wasn't in an art school. I was in like a regular liberal arts school and liberal arts are not actual arts. They're like fluff and nonsense that you will never need in your entire life. So right. Mm, yeah, I'm com- I'm comfortable saying that publicly because I think it's stupid. But either way, um, right? It was like a lot of English and yeah, it was like literature. a lot of English or whatever. I took like one bio class and one um, mm-hmm. one econ class that was a disaster. Um, it was just not working for me. Um, and I did end up finishing because I had a scholarship and and all of that. Um, the the thing to me though is that like going to college is something that like you just do like it's a part of your life you finish you know you finish high school you maybe take a gap year or whatever and then you go to college and that's what I did and it was it was annoying to me because I was already starting to build my business on the side and I just didn't have time for it and I just I don't know I made it work and whatever um but what gave you the guts to not go to college to not do the thing that is like the next thing that everyone does wow I like that you said the guts Um, what made it so that I didn't go to college was that I, I didn't have a lot of direction and clarity on what I wanted to do if I went to college. And also I was fully supporting myself. And because of that, it, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, it didn't add up to me personally to go to college because otherwise I'm going to be in, you know, X amount of debt after still trying to figure out what is it I want to do that is the most badass thing ever (laughs) no I really think that because (laughs) it's it's so hard to not like like to literally sit down and be like I these numbers don't add up I'm not going to spend x amount of money and end up in x amount of debt to not have like to not know what I want to do or to end up with a a degree that I'm never going to use so I'm going to put this on pause for now and go do something else that is so cool yeah Okay. Thank you. You're like I, 10 I times more awesome in my brain right now. That's that's <laughs> 10 times more. You're like 10 times more awesome in my brain. Okay. So you leave school. Um, were you ever in school or did you just never go? You Oh, you said you were online. Yeah, I did a semester of the Art Institute online. I love the Art Institute. And, um, so, yeah. okay. And so then, and then do you just start drawing for people and then people start noticing? Like, how does that, how does, how does creativity find you? So... What happened was I have a connection with my brother. He was working for, or is still, he was work, is working for Chabad at Oregon at the time was. And they needed some art for 
an article that came up randomly and he said, Hey, you know, maybe you could do this. And if it's good, like do a sample. And if they like it, they'll pay you for it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me do that. And at the same time, I was also doing data entry for an Amazon, uh, for an Amazon store, like just copying and pasting links online. So I squeezed in the time and they liked it. And I looked back on it and like, the artwork was horrible, <laughs> but <laughs> they somehow liked it and it worked out. And, and then he said, maybe I'll have more free in the future. And I said, okay, I'm open. And then another thing came my way and it worked out. And then he said, maybe the homepage might need you to do artwork. They'll reach out to you if they're interested. And I said, great. And they did. And we started to work on a trial and the trial lasted for eight months. And then I said, what do you think? And they liked it. And we moved forward from there. And that was the first real steady illustrating job I ever had. That's fabulous. And, How long ago was that? And that was when I first moved to Seattle. So five, five or going on six years about. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I, it wasn't something I was pursuing. I hadn't been drawing in a really long time up until that point. I was very creative through high school. After high school, I stopped. I kind of did it a little bit here and there during classes. I love to doodle <laughs> and I would love to do sketches here and there, but it wasn't something consciously on my mind as I'm creative and I need to focus on this creativity. It was pretty much forgotten about by at that point in my life. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, there's definitely plenty of times in my life when I just drop sewing. It was like, this is mm -hmm. just not a thing that I do right now. I have other things going yeah, on or wow. whatever. And then it was when I kept coming back to it that I realized that I was like, oh, maybe I should, let's talk more about that sewing thing and, wow. and you know, see how we turn it on. Okay. So you, you're in, so you're in Seattle. You ended up in Seattle for your husband's job. The plan was to stay for a year or a couple months and then go to Israel. Has it Correct. always been a dream of yours to live in Israel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Since I was 18. That makes been, sense. Yeah. It's always been there. So then how... Like, it must be so frustrating for you to just kind of end up stuck, like, to go through all the, the, like, to do the move and everything. Like, at what point did you really unpack your boxes and be like, okay, we're staying here? <laughs> um, that's really funny. I'm laughing because we moved here with no boxes. <laughs> we had packed up. <laughs> what? We moved here temper We had packed up our entire apartment in Brooklyn. Everything was in storage in Brooklyn. And we got here with suitcases. And when we decided that we're staying, we continued to pay rent on the storage unit in New York, which was obviously a ripoff. Right. And we were living for free in my in-laws basement. So at least like the price was overall comparable. And when we decided to move out of the basement and into our own apartment, we had nothing. We had to borrow furniture. Fortunately, I had a friend who was moving, so she just gave me her her, uh, her couches, and I got, like, a random bookshelf from someone, and we had to go buy pots and pans. Everything had to start all over again because there was no way we could afford, at that point, shipping all of our stuff from New York to Seattle. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a logistical yeah. nightmare. <laughs> That's insane. Our stuff is still in New York. A lot of it. Not a so, lot. We, we, we ended up giving a lot away, but. 
Okay, so but but your stuff for the for right now is like mostly in New York, and the plan is to like pick it up on your way to Israel. Uh, we're not even gonna go there. What ended up happening was we got rid of a lot of stuff and like sold our couches, sold our mattress, threw it out, and then we had only the boxes that were left over just moved into my sister-in-law's basement and stayed there for five years. And this past summer, we were in New York, we went through it, and we pretty much got rid of anything that we don't need anymore and took the sentimental stuff and all that was really left was like a bag of clothes and a dresser wow that worked out anyway yeah was it (laughs) eye-opening to you to realize that you don't need that much stuff or did you Um, realize even more that you did need it and like what was the stuff process like it went through phases. When I look back, I'm like, wow, I moved and I started completely all over again from nothing. And I think to myself, that's amazing. You don't need things. And that's really cool. And I value minimalism, but I'm also not a hoarder, but I collect things. I, like I collect and I hold on to things. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard for me to let go. And other times I'm like, no, I need I need things. I never have the right things that I need. And it kind of just wavers back and forth. Wow. I don't know if I could do what you did. Yeah. I genuinely don't. Like, I really wow. don't don't know if I could move. Maybe temporarily I could. If, yeah, no, I couldn't. Right. No, I'm pretty, so, co- yeah, I'm pretty confident that I could not do that. That's very cool. Yeah. So you're in, you're in Seattle and you continue doing these illustrations for websites and everything. And then yeah. at what point do you realize like, okay, that like at what point do you get your next client or did your next client just find you? They just started to find me, which was very exciting for me. It was totally new. I, um, the local school here needed someone to design invitations for their dinner and I started doing that and someone would see my artwork on Chabad.org and want to use me for other random small projects and it kind of molded into a job where I was doing illustration and graphic design and it's funny because I look back (laughs) yeah this is I was just about to to go into that I didn't really think there was a difference previously until a few years ago uh the graphic design is more of taking elements and designing them on a page so brochures laying it out laying out the text picking the colors picking the mood and the feeling of the packages of cereal boxes or logo designs and branding the company is in the graphic design element and illustration is just drawing. It's pictures and art. Yeah. So it so, sounds to me like just because just I'm familiar with your work now, it sounds like you really gravitated more towards the illustration. Yes. I gravitated toward illustration, but I didn't know that there was a difference between the two. So I was just doing a lot of both. Okay. At so at what... Yeah. What do you look for when you when you design a new piece, when you're starting a new illustration? Um, what is, is there something specific that you look for in the subjects that you draw? That's a really good question. Thanks. 
what do I look for? I I look for the message of what's trying to be expressed from the use that the illustration will be used for. What if there so is no end use? I can, well, whatever the first particular use will be, I would kind of hone it in towards that. And I think I need to be more specific. So, for example, with, let's say, I did illustration work for the Kavana conference. And by my friend Melinda, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. The Kavana conference by Melinda, yes. Thank you. And um, the idea was woman empowerment and learning to dream. And what I did was look up imagery of dreams. Like, what does a dream look like? What does the, what is the emotion behind dreaming? It could be freedom from restraint. It could be exploration. It's independence. It's expression. And from taking those keywords, I went to Pinterest and to Google and I typed them in and was searching through images that would pop up connected to those keywords. And from there, we had decided butterflies really went well with this woman who was closing her eyes and dreaming. And so that's how I'm able to pick out the, uh, like a, a message behind the illustration. Right. And then if you have, do you ever make something just because like you just want to make something pretty? Yeah, <laughs> I do. How does that um, work? So that's usually for my own personal projects. Like sometimes I want to post on Instagram just a pretty picture that I felt like doing and I'll just post it. And sometimes after I create something, I realize, oh, this works really well with this message I want to talk about. And I'll connect it. And sometimes there is no message and I'll just say, you know, like sharing this artwork. Usually though, when clients come to me, they are looking for artwork that is specifically honed in towards a message that they want to put out it's not usually just draw a pretty picture right because they because because art that is created for their message is valuable to them no of course it's a it's a really powerful right. marketing tool yeah yeah art evokes an emotion usually um or can evoke an emotion and that like right. that's yeah that's really powerful in a marketing sense if you can get people to feel things then you can usually get people to buy things um, exactly. What is the most intense uh, message that you've ever designed around? So I'm thinking, what's the most intense message? I think those are my only, only my own illustrations I ever do. Most, mostly so far, I haven't worked with clients that are looking to express anything so extreme except okay I'm gonna go on a little ramble I've done illustration work for Avital who writes for the forward and she often has some pretty strong pointed articles that I've done work for and then aside from that I use my artwork in the past I've used it 
to do a lot of expression around anti-Semitism and Jewish empowerment. And sometimes I'll do an artwork around an anti-Semitic attack that might happen. And I use my artwork to bring connection and I post it to Instagram. So it gives Instagram followers and a community a sense of connection and something to resonate with as they're processing their emotions. And I use my artwork to tell a voice to you to express to the world, I would hope, <laughs> what goes on for the Jewish people as we experience that. Because people may not necessarily relate to the words that I write, but they'll see a picture. And I hope that there's some connection there. And I have no doubt that there is, just as someone who has seen your art like in that times and then it hits at exactly the right time and it's so powerful and it's almost feels like a release because when something like that happens you know when someone walks into a shul with a gun and starts firing that's that's terrifying even if it didn't happen near you um yeah and then having the outlet just it, it just it is just very comforting i i find your stuff to be um thank you please yeah the um, hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it is. It's very intense. With, with the work that you do, um, you also have done a lot of these longer projects. Um, so you did the Women Who Rap project. Um, you've recently completed the, um, the, the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph Bays. Um, was, is there a reason why you choose to take on these giant projects where you're doing, you know, consistent long series? Um, is it just like a fun challenge or talk me through it? So the projects that I've taken on were fun challenges and somewhere along the way, if they were good, you know, then I see how it developed into something bigger than just a fun little side project. The the rap project I started as, it was started initially as a 100-day project where every day I was illustrating women who cover their hair. Why I chose women who cover their hair? Um, I, I wanted to practice working on faces and I wanted it to be under a subject that I found interesting to me so I'd be more inclined to complete 100 days. <laughs> and it was just as simple as that. that and along sense. the way I decided... Yeah, I, I, I was thinking maybe I can ask these women what they are, wh why they rap and where they come from. Because at some point I started getting messages from women in Scotland and from all over the world. It was pretty shocking. And I, so I wanted to learn more about why they rap and what their religion is. There's Muslim women and Christian women and Jewish women who were all involved, and as I was developing this, people told me, this is amazing, you need to do something with this, and then that's when I started to realize, oh, I can do something with this, but it wasn't planned initially like that. That's pretty and cool. I didn't, yeah, yeah, it's cool the way, I, the way it all came together, and, and the Hebrew letters I was working on 
it's funny how the, the, that one I started because someone had seen my artwork. I wanted to collaborate with a business and they saw my faces and they said, you only do faces. Do you draw anything else? And I said, of course I do. And they had disappeared and they stopped responding to me and I took it personally and I got really flustered. And so I, I thought, okay, I'm going to draw something different. And again, it was sort of like, okay, what's something different that I'm attracted to that will show I don't, I do more than just faces. And I picked Hebrew letters because I like them. They're so pretty, aren't they? Thank you. Yeah. Like, like They're really colorful and flowerful and yeah and also the the letters the way that you illustrate them is beautiful but I also just happen to think that Hebrew written out block um and even more so in script I just think it's such a pretty looking like it's just a pretty alphabet do you know what I mean yeah I love the script and I love the foreignness of it yes you know like you're drawing something in another language and that's so unique and cool yeah that's do you speak Hebrew at all no (laughs) that's even cooler yeah like the the feeling it of it and and honestly it's a great way to practice learn the alphabet yeah draw it out yeah that's that's such a great way to to do it you mentioned that when people thought that you didn't that you only did faces and then you got ghosted by someone that that you took it personally how Like, I, I feel you on every level as a fellow creative and someone who suffers from this. I 100% get it. I'm just curious for you. Do you try to separate your art from your personal, like, feelings about, from your feelings in general and from your feelings about yourself? Wait, so is your question, do I, do I try to or how do I do it? Both. Um, okay. I... I'm always aware that I cannot take things personally and that doesn't always stop me from taking things personally. It's really Same. hard. Same. It's really hard. <laughs> and in the beginning it was, I didn't even know what was going on when I would get upset over something. And as I continue to put myself out there and get rejections and get feedback, I, the thicker skin develops. Okay. So and, it just took time for you. Yeah. Yeah, same. Was there something specific that you did aside from just gaining experience to to grow that thick skin? Okay. Uh, the way I the way I'm I figure out how to get the thicker skin or that I practice getting thicker skin is really just making a lot of friends in the industry and and whenever I have questions or doubts I'll reach out to them and listen to their experience or what they think I should do and even friends outside of the industry that are good in business just anyone that I really value their opinion I would say hey I'm going through this experience what do you think and they'll offer me their their thoughts and experience on what it is I'm going through and what might work for me and it's it was kind of like a balance of that and you know putting myself out there it would involve asking people for their advice and then having to hear it and sometimes 
I wouldn't like it. <laughs> and then having to decipher if this is correct for me or not. And then making a lot of mistakes and taking things personally and making a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I love how you said that and, you, you wanted to get better at faces. So you started the rap project because so many people underestimate yeah. those, the, you know, those 10,000 hours that you need to put in to yeah. do something to like get really good at it. And I, I yeah. love the fact that you, you saw, you wanted to get better faces. So you sat down and you drew a face every day for a hundred days. And that's, yeah. that's a really good way to do it. Can you see a, like a marked improvement from day one to day 100 of the like just of the face that you see that you're drawing? It's subtle for me. It's hard for me to see still at this point. What I do see is the stylization definitely improving and the shading and how I see. So, okay, of course now I talk about it and I see things differently, but so the, the way I shade and the way I see shapes on the faces, because that's really what happens when you're drawing a face, you break it down into shapes. Mm-hmm. You don't look at the whole face and draw the whole face. You're like, okay, I'm going to draw this corner of the eye. How is it shaped? So in that regard, I've improved. And the shadows and seeing how they affect the face has improved. And I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you'll, um, and you'll always be working yeah. on it. I'll always be working on it. Isn't that exactly. wonderful and depressing all at the same time? <laughs> yeah. It's like you'll never be done and you'll never be done. it's artists really have and I wonder if you relate to this as a creative like we we're so self-critical of our work when we create it and then like I just pulled out sketches of mine from 10 years ago and I'm so impressed I'm like oh my gosh this is incredible I did that I can't believe it and at the time when I made it I'm like this is horrible it's disgusting I can't show it to anyone yeah I can't relate to that at all no never (laughs) not at all no no that's sarcastic for anyone who didn't catch it (laughs) yeah no it's so I think that I don't know why that is though why is it because there it's like why is it that whenever you're making something you think it's awful so many people you're not the first person to tell me this I am like this when I create I actually my spring 2020 collection um, and I spoke about this when I had um, Gitty Burger on. My spring 2020 collection was the first collection that I made without actively hating myself. And that was a major step to do, to get, like, to get to that point, to not have a breakdown. And, like, I don't know, as I was making it, I had just broken it down to these really manageable pieces. And I, I just did it. And it was fine. And, like, I'm pretty good at making dresses. So, like, why is this surprising to me? <laughs> But right. it is. Wow. And, yeah. and and every single creative person I know, whether it's whether they're a makeup artist, whether they're um like a an, an artist who paints digitally or like you do, or with um like actual canvas and prints and all that, um, and prints and paints, geez. Um and it's I don't know why that is. And if you are a creative person and you're listening to this and you are able to create something without being super self-critical send me an email because I'm so curious to know <laughs> what that's like and how that feels like. I'm Can serious. Can you forward me that email when you get it? Because I'd I love to hear will. what they have to say. I definitely will. Thank the address you. is beimpactfulpodcast at impactfashionnyc.com. Ser- seriously, send me an email. I want to know, know what that's like to just make something. I had a little bit of it with the spring 20 season and it was, it was great. It really was. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and I'm so curious for people who just don't go through that. This is awful because also you want to be objectively critical about your work. You do want to, right. like, you do need to edit as you design. You do need to, you know, see what's wrong so that you can fix it. But that gets so out of hand so quickly, so quickly. And yeah. And it's like, why do we torture ourselves this way? It's torturing and it's crazy where at one point I realized every time I would sit down and draw, my voice, my, my voice would play in my head on cycle. This sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And it took me years to realize that I'm playing this tape. <laughs> yeah. And how anxiety ridden it is. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, I don't know. Why do we do that? Why? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But so many people do. I guess I also know that for myself, something that really helped with me, um, something that really helped me was that um, around a year ago was when I really, um, I, that was when I really started getting more involved in the community of other fashion designers, which it sounds like this is something that you started doing, you know, yeah. more from the beginning of your career, which I, I just didn't do. Um, I was, I was, I, I live in Queens. There's no one else like everyone else is kind of like in Brooklyn or Lakewood or whatever. Um, And it it was only, I want to say like within the past year that I really just started becoming more active and just making more friends who do what I do. And because of that, I started just, you know, we just, we started talking out about work and the same people who were giving me a hard time, like the same store owners who were not getting me their order in on time or, or things like that. They were they were doing the same thing to everyone else. Like I thought that they just didn't like me or that my stuff was just awful. And that's why they were giving me a hard time. Um, But they were doing it to everyone. So it was like, okay, stop feeling so special and stop feeling so awful that like this one person (laughs) is treating you awfully because they're just an awful, miserable person who treats everybody awfully. And that was really helpful. Wasn't that a relief? It was a relief. And, and like, yeah, it really was. It was such a relief. And it was also, it was like, cause, cause what it automatically means, right? Cause if I have a, an isolated interaction with someone, um, and I am thinking about a specific person when I tell this story who I, for obvious reasons will not say, mm-hmm. um, but there was someone who owed right. me a significant amount of money and, wow. um, and was not paying it and was not paying it. like, and it was, it was overdue by a significant amount of time. And I, I finally said to someone, you know, I don't know what to do. I have these thousands of dollars that are owed to me. Um, you know, they're months and months past due. I'm a small business. You know, that's, you know, even it, it's, it was a lot of money. And, um, and I, and I, in the conversation that I had with that person, I didn't mean to say who the store was, but I was so worked up and I was so, um, I, I was so upset. And the person, the, the store owner happens to have an unusual first name. And I used her first name. And the, and the friend who I was sharing this with said, oh yeah, she did that to me six months ago. And she did that to this person eight months ago. And she did, and she did that to this person a year ago. And I was like, oh, okay. So you're just telling me that this is someone who is like a serial, like she's a serial non-bill payer. You know, she's, you know, Mm -hmm. she has other issues. Um, And it, it had nothing to do with the fact that like my dresses hadn't sold for her or my dresses weren't good, or she just didn't respect me enough to not pay me. She just didn't pay anybody. So yeah, it was, it was, it was such a relief because it was such like, I was kept like, I need to be more assertive. Like she doesn't take me seriously because I'm a, you know, I'm young and, and I'm haven't been doing this for so long. And she needs to, you know, at the time I'd only been doing it for like two years and she just needs to respect me. It was like, no, she just needs to 
pay her bills because she doesn't pay any bills. Yeah. And and that was so eye opening for me. Also. And that that sounds like the taking it personally piece also. Oh, for sure. Where, yeah. And I've been there. Yeah. In similar situations. And yeah, I thought about myself in the same way, like, oh, because I'm this or it's because of that that they're doing this to me. Right. And then right. in the like, end, it had nothing to do with it. Right. You would never want to do this to Amazon. You should treat me. But like, yeah. Oh my God. All the things, all the things going through my head. Um, Yeah. And the thing that I love about what you do with your art is that that always does have a message behind it. You know, it always does have more to it. And that probably makes the creation of it even that much more emotional because like, I'm sure that as you're making it, you have all of like the regular creative feelings going on in your brain. And then there's also the added, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to say stress, but just like the added heaviness of whatever the topic is that you're drawing about. Yeah. Like it's a lot. And, and you're doing something now that is really cool with, um, with our place to, um, to raise money for an organization that um, does really cool things. So can you tell me about our place and what it is that you are uh, doing with them? So our place is a organization based on the East coast that helps at-risk teens who are battling with addiction or coming from abusive homes and they help them with education and they help them get into rehab and they help feed them and basically get them off the streets. It's an amazing organization and I've decided as part of my birthday experience that I would fundraise for them and the goal is to reach $3,600. And when I reach that goal, I get to participate in the Jerusalem Marathon. I won't be running, but <laughs> they have the marathon at different levels. I'll be walking slash running a 5K. And the, that is on March 20th. And my birthday is on March 21st. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so this is a way to help fundraise and and I love positive fundraisers where people really feel good about it so I decided to have my art be involved in it at a at a level where with every donation from $36 they get entered to win a free print and I'll be giving away three different prints at three different sizes or each at a different size so there would be the grand prize winner and then the second winner and the third winner. Every $18 additional increment that they add on to their donation will get them another entry to win. That's fabulous. Yeah. And I really wanted for it to be a good experience and that people feel good when they donate towards an amazing organization that saves lives and helps teenagers get off the street and um I'm at a loss for words yeah I think I think I really think you've said it all because you know there isn't there's there's a lot there's a lot to say but I I do think that when when you're dealing with such heavy issues like that um it's it's a lot to um you know to to process it is it is a heavy a heavy thing uh if somebody wanted to donate to your campaign for our place and be entered to win one of your fabulous art pieces one of your fabulous prints where can they go they can go to uh, 
the website is teamourplace.org slash Sephira Creative. And I can write that to you in an email so it can be posted Perfect. somewhere I'm with actual yeah no problem with yeah. like link clickiness um that link is going to be in the show yeah. notes so um if you um so if uh if you are interested in that and honestly like go enter with the 36 bucks to be entered for a print because her stuff goes for way more expensive and it's a good cause and yeah. like why not um yeah and this was so this was super this was super fun i had a great time um if somebody wants to learn more about you and about your art where is the place for that sephiracreative.com oh yeah or instagram (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and instagram you're at sephira creative as well right exactly sephira creative everywhere sephira creative everywhere (laughs) just google sephira creative everywhere and then you'll find sephira (laughs) Uh, the last thing that i want to ask you sephira is um in in your in your life in your work in the way that you move through the world what does it mean to you to make an impact That's a great question. Again, you're so good. I'm on a roll tonight. (laughs) What does it mean to make an impact? Well, it means to make a change. And I really am a very passionate person. And I have a lot of opinions based in politics and world things and I've recently come to realize I would love to have my art be that imagery and that voice to bring impact and change to things that I desperately believe in or passionately believe in. That is so powerful and so great. Thank you so much for coming on today, Safira. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening today. You can find all of Safira's information in the show notes, which you can access by swiping up on the cover art. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blog slash podcast. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive, modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review with your favorite part from this or any other episode. They all make my heart sing. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.